everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Engage to Flourish podcast. I'm your host, Damon, and I have my co-hosts, Brett and Kyle, with me today. And we have a very, very special guest today because we are doing a brand new uh, segment called Ask the Pastor. So we want to welcome Pastor Barry DeGucci. Welcome back, Pastor Barry. Yo, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, he's, that's, a better, that's a better response than I used to do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Kind of like we said, we are doing a special Ask the Pastor episode today, and it kind of all stemmed from we're in the middle of our Created and Called series, and we're also in the middle of our New Testament reading plan. So as part of it, we wanted to make uh, our Bible reading a little bit more interactive and a little bit more fun. And we also wanted to, because we're in the series of Created and Called, and we're trying to explore what was God's design for families, well, one of the things that families do is they talk about and answer each other's questions. And so as we're reading through the New Testament, people have some questions and we wanted to have an opportunity to dialogue and discuss and really ask the boss. So that's why we brought Pastor Barry here so we can get his input and, you know, have some of these questions uh, answered. So let's get right into it because I know we have a lot of questions and we don't have a ton of time. So we just want to make sure that we give everyone the, the proper uh, honoring of the time that they took to ask and input and submit some of these questions. So the first question is from Anonymous. We'll let you uh, guess who it is. <laughs> uh, and the first question is, is it important to know the background of the books of the Bible, specifically the Gospels? And then why do we need four Gospels instead of just one? Because a lot of the stories are repeated more than once. So Pastor Barry, would you like to lead us off with this question? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, you know, what's interesting to me, it's a lot of times when we think that the Bible is inspired by God, we think that um, the authors, Matthew, you know, Mark, Luke, and John were kind of just dictating robots, and they heard God, and they just wrote down what God God spec spoke to them. But, you know, they had specific, like, literary forms of the way they wrote literature, the way they wrote poetry, the way the Bible was written. And um, I think God worked in partnership with their personality and who they were and their understanding of things. And so when you look at it from that perspective, um, you know, you get four different, different um, looks like, kind of like if there was, there was a car accident, right? Then mm -hmm. you would get, and you have four witnesses, they would all say different things or have different perspectives. It might all be true. Some of it would overlap, but they would have different takes on what they saw. And I think that adds to the fullness of, um, you know, revealing who Jesus was and who Jesus is. And so, um, and so one of the interesting things about the Gospels is um, each of the authors, you could tell by the way they write and the things they address and the things they include each of the authors is addressing a different audience, mm -hmm. right? For example, Matthew, he um, writes with the assumption, you could read his writing, he assumes that they know a lot about Jewish culture, Jewish customs, and so you know he's writing to a Jewish audience. And just knowing that, I think, gives you added insight into the things he says and why he says it. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I think for... Yeah, for me, it's it's helpful like having like a study Bible because like stu most study Bibles have like summaries uh, before the books, 
tells you the author, the purpose, and gives you some of the, the key highlights and stuff like that. I've seen my kids really enjoy that part of it too because then they're like, oh, now I know why there's two. There's a genealogy in this one and there's a genealogy in this one because they're different and they're they're trying to get a different point across to different people. So, yeah, I think it, it definitely um, brings more fullness to when you're reading the Bible. So, anonymous, good question. So... <laughs> Yeah, I think for this one too, it's gonna. I think it'll come into play a little bit more later on, especially when we get to the epistles and looking at uh, who and the context uh, that some of these books are written to, who the main audience is, so that we can understand what the context is mm. that the author is actually addressing. So in some places, he they might be addressing the people in Rome or the people in Corinth or the people... And they're going through different issues, so they're actually addressing specific issues to that specific people at that time. But then we can extrapolate that out, and how does this apply to us too? And so one of the things that uh, someone has told me is that don't look at the Bible as just one book, but look at it more like a library. And so it's a library. It has different forms. It has poetry. It has narrative. It has letters. It has uh, narrative. And so it's all been combined together to give a picture of who God is and and really a picture of who Jesus is. Yeah, I think knowing the background helps to just even understand like what makes sense because certain things you might read, it would just be totally like, well, I don't, what does that have to do with anything? But knowing, I mean, whether it be like the state of the, where the letter is written to or the people that it's being addressed to um, gives a better understanding. We're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Or I could see, how that plays out instead of just like, okay, I just read a sentence that I feel like comes out of nowhere and doesn't make any sense. And um, so, yeah, doing your research, even uh, finding resources outside of the Bible that help paint the picture because the Bible doesn't give every single detail to everything that's going on, um, just only enhances our understanding and depth of the scripture that we're reading. Wait, are are you saying that you don't you don't like weekly use like yoke and like go home and like put it on your oxen and stuff like that? No, um, I did get a a puppy, but he can't he can't <laughs> carry the. <laughs> okay, so let's let's keep let's keep this conversation moving. Uh, the next question was submitted by one of our youngsters. Uh, this is from Ezra, and this question that Ezra asked is actually from Mark one thirty four, and in this situation, Jesus had cast out demons out of a man, and so Ezra's question is, why did Jesus not let the demons talk, and what does that have to do with demons knowing who he was? And so the way that we kind of set this whole thing up is we all, each did a little bit extra uh, background uh, study on these questions. So we have a little bit more to say. So for this one, it was Brett. So Brett, would you like to lead off the discussion first? Yeah, I, I would like to shout out Ezra. I think it's awesome that, um, I don't know if your dad made you do this, but either way, we'll keep that Hi- under wraps. Highly encouraged. Okay. <laughs> Not, I don't make <laughs> either way, either way it happened. I think it's awesome. Kyle that- might have highly encouraged, <laughs> but Mimo might've been like, you're doing it. <laughs> Regardless of how it happened. I, I think it's awesome. Um, Ezra, that you uh, are able to read the Bible and pick up on something and question it and wrestle with it. I I think that's huge and that's only going to help you as you continue to get older and you're going to gain a lot more wisdom with that. Um, Second, the reason why uh, I kind of picked this one or or it highlighted to me was when I was reading Mark, 
Um, it, it happens again in Mark 3, in verse 11 through 12, where uh, Jesus does the same thing and tells the demons to not um, say his, like speak on his name. And so when I was reading, since it happened again, it actually made me start to question it or like, what is the importance of that or why? And so I started research, researching before we even going to do this. And I was asked to be a part of it. And so um, good question, Ezra. I think great minds think alike. Um, but a couple of things that I found, one is that, um, well, okay, I'll a- actually address the second part of the question first. Um, one thing that was mentioned was that um, the demons had control over these people. And so, um, you know, I, I know we know as believers, Jesus to be all powerful and God to be all powerful, but you know, these demons and these spirits have a lot of power as well. So much so that they could, you know, possess somebody and, and kind of make them unrecognizable or, or control their actions and their mind. Jesus, this shows Jesus's power in that he was able to defeat those demons, cast them out. And at, at his knees, at his power, even the demons had to recognize who Jesus was and where he comes from. And so um, that's part of um, them knowing who he was. But then the part of, okay, well, so then why did Jesus not let the demons talk? Um, a couple of things I found is one is um, understanding Jesus in that time wasn't widely accepted. I think nowadays when we read the Bible and us as believers, we you know all go to church and we know who God is and know who Jesus is. But back then in that time, um, the people heard of a Messiah, but the way that Jesus came and what he did, it wasn't necessarily what they had pictured or what they had wanted or what they thought how Jesus was going to restore the people and restore Israel. And so um, in some eyes, he was like a disappointment because he came in a very different way. And so um, part of one, one of the commentaries that I looked up uh, talked about how Right, the, the the crowd praised Jesus like one week, and then the next week they wanted to have him executed. And so um, Jesus knew that, yes, performing miracles and and casting out demons was part of his power and what he could do. But that wasn't his like quote unquote mission. That's not the only reason why he was there. And so he didn't want um, the demons to speak on his name or or talk about them uh, being casted out because. Um, his his job as the Messiah was not finished yet, and he didn't want it to detract from what he was there to do. He knew what God had intended for the people, and it was way bigger than that. And so um, that's one thing. The second thing that I, I thought was interesting was um, it, later in John, uh, there's actually passages that talk about the ways that Jesus wants to be like testified or witnessed and, and how it happens and like through scripture, he talks about somebody else that um, we'll, we'll talk about and witness about him. And so um, part of it is that Jesus didn't want to kind of like be associated with the demons. It's like, you don't want the bad guys going about and talking about your name. And then now the other people that hear that are going to think, wait, this guy who is claiming to be the Messiah is working with these demons or like they're on the same team. Kind of, kind of in that fashion is how, how I picture it. And so, um, yeah, I, I think to me, what what it really stands out from researching this and, and, and answering this question, the question that I had myself is, um, Jesus' example of 
his association with people and with praise. Um, praise, I think, often is seen as a good thing, or we want to be acknowledged for the things that we do. But Jesus recognizes one: there's a bigger picture to to than to just what he just did, and then two: it's like he doesn't want to be associated with demons, right? Like that's not. He's like, that's not who I represent. Like, I represent God. I don't represent these spiritual demons and things of the enemy. And so it, it made me kind of question, oh, like, are the things that I associate myself with, if the things that I do that maybe draw me praise, are they things that I should be associated with? Are they things that should be uh, giving me praise or, or, or kind of pointing to my direction? Or is it something that I need to, like, in a similar way that Jesus said, don't speak my name, kind of like not allow that to influence whether it's my pride or um, the things that I do or what I represent. And so, um, yeah, that was the, the research that I that I had for, for that question. So Ezra, I hope, I'm not Pastor Barry, but I, I hope that that helps give you a little insight. Well, we still also wanted to give everyone an opportunity to comment on these. So, Brett, you don't have to feel like you're you're the only one that's going to talk about well, it. Well, it's just cool that the segment's called Ask the Pastor, and then it's like, okay, Brett, you answer. It's like, <laughs> I am by no means the pastor, but... Um, it, oh, it, you didn't get the memo? Kyle was passing out the pastor hats oh, this morning. Yeah, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't wear yours today. Oh, on, maybe that's why I'm not, feel, I'm not feeling that way, but... <laughs> I W pastor for the day. <laughs> awesome. Pastor for the I, next 30 minutes. Yeah, I will relish the next 30 minutes. <laughs> um, yeah. One thing that came to my mind is, you know, Jesus was really, if you look through the gospels, read through the gospels, he was very intentional, intentional about how he was to be revealed. And there's a certain timing mm-hmm. to how he wanted to be revealed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he talks a lot about my time has not yet come and, there's a major theme in the book of John about my hour has not yet come. Mm. And I think that was the hour of him to be revealed in his mission as, as, the, as the Messiah. And it was very counter to what people thought. They thought he was going to be a conquering king and mm. he was going to be a suffering servant that went mm. to the cross. Mm-hmm. So I think that revelation, right, was he was very intentional. So even when he healed people, a lot of times he said, don't tell anyone mm-hmm. don't tell because he didn't want people coming to him just to be just to receive healing but mm-hmm. i think there was a timing of revelation mm-hmm. and how he wanted to be revealed mm-hmm. so like when you know when um peter he has they he, jesus is asking who do you say i am and peter says you are the christ the son of the living god and he says right flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but mm-hmm. my father who is in heaven mm-hmm. so it's a revelation from the father Mm. spirit that reveals who jesus truly is and Mm -hmm. he didn't want the demons right like spouting out you're the christ you're the son of god in the wrong timing in the wrong way Mm. and for the wrong purpose right so Mm -hmm. yeah 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 and it also brings to mind other times where people actually did because they saw him casting out demons associate him with the devil they said oh he's his powers from beelzebul right and that was also in some of our readings. So even though he told them not to say anything, people already associated with it. So kind of like piggybacking off what you said, Brett, earlier about the association. It's like, that's kind of already the bend that people had was to associate things like that, casting out demons with power of the enemy instead of power from God. Okay, so let's move on to the next question. And this one is from Stephanie Hino. And 
I kind of got a laugh out of this one because I think there might have been some uh, underlying um, motivation for her to ask this question. Spouse, spouse, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was thinking, <laughs> is she asking this question because she wants Tim to have this? Or So anyway, let's get to the question. The question is that many times in the book of Matthew, uh, Jesus knew, it says Jesus knew the thoughts of the people. So is reading people's minds on the spot a spiritual gift or is that just a word of knowledge? So we're wondering if Steph wants Tim to be able to read her mind or not. <laughs> Your wife probably wants you to have that gift, right? Yeah, I, I think she wants me to have that. <laughs> Maybe our house will be a little cleaner and stuff. <laughs> okay, so Pastor Barry, do you want to kick us off on this one? It's funny because we were kind of talking about this a little bit and uh, it reminded me of like, Okay, this will date me. Gilligan's Island episode where <laughs> <laughs> on Gilligan's, Gilligan's Island, they found a plant and it had seeds. And if they ate the seed, then they could read the thoughts of the other people. <laughs> and they thought at first, this is super cool. But then after a while, they start getting into fights because I don't think we want everyone knowing our thoughts, <laughs> especially about one another sometimes. Yeah. And at the end of the show, it shows Gilligan burning up the the plant, right, with mm. the seeds, and then they're all, all the others, Skipper Professor, right, all of them commenting, what are you doing? And he said, this was just causing too much fights. And mm. it just reminded me that I don't know how to have, what that has to do with the <laughs> question. But. So I think what you're trying to say is that we hope that it is, word of knowledge is actually it and not the spiritual gift of reading people's minds because we don't want that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, and I don't think it's it's meant to be our gift, right? Mm. Our superpower so to speak right. it's a gift from the lord and it's to build up the body right all right. the gifts are for the for the building up the, of the body and also i think related to this for me it's philippians is really key where it says um in philippians 2 that jesus you know didn't think equality was god something to be grasped but he emptied himself mm -hmm. taking the form of servant so i think jesus was always god always divine but he kind of um shelved his powers so to speak his god prerogatives and powers he could have taken it back at any time but i think jesus wanted to live as he intends us to live mm. to be on reliant on the holy spirit mm -hmm. so right so so when we look at jesus a lot of times people think oh he just did that because he could do that because he's god i can't do that mm. but jesus operated i believe in the manner even though he was divine, he set aside the powers of God mm -hmm. and he operated in reliance of the Holy Spirit, mm. just like we do, right? So I think, yeah, it, it's I, I see this as it's a word of knowledge, right? He mm -hmm. was getting a word of knowledge yeah. from the Holy Spirit to understand what the thoughts or the hearts or the intentions of people were, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure the exact uh, thing that Steph was getting at, but I don't, I don't think there's they're separate gifts. I, I think... Yeah, like you said, what he was operating in was the, the, the spiritual gift of word of knowledge of what we understand for that. So, I, I just think that explanation was powerful in itself <laughs> in, in the painted picture of, of who Jesus is and, mm -hmm. and was, right? And um, I think a lot of what I recognize is the intention that Jesus has behind all like all the things that he does and just, I mean, it's beyond comprehension, but to see, I guess it just gives me a better picture of how much God like loves me and, and, lo and is for his people and wants for his people. Because 
in all these questions, I, I do think there's an aspect of it that leads back to the gospel, which a lot of these questions are, are referring to the gospel, the books, um, in just like, yeah, the way that it played out, it was counterculture or it wasn't seen as popular, but how that's exactly what needed, what needed to happen. And so, I mean, we're only what three questions in and I feel like I was like, dang, that's so good. (laughs) (laughs) Drop the mic. Yeah. I was just like, no, hold it. Let's go. We got some more. I know. I was like, dang, I could just sit here and listen because it's like, wow, that was, yeah. Maybe yeah. I can make a plug here too. Yeah. For BLC. There we go. Go for it. Yeah. yeah. Be like Christ. That's right. We've been talking about that. that yeah. That's the goal of our Christianity is to be like Christ. And so that's why I think Christ op- had to operate as a human, mm. right? Mm-hmm. While he on earth in the way we would. And we that we can fully be like Christ. Mm. That's what we were made to be. We were made to be like Christ, just as he walked and lived. We can, we can too. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, operating in the spiritual gifts is a, it's an act of faith, right? So even doing it like a word of knowledge, it might be something that even seems really silly or simple, but acting on that and then seeing it, it play out and some, and and even really the, the benefit of blessing somebody or touching them. That's where you really um, see how, how God, um, yeah, just like being like Christ, we get to we get to be the same kind of be in His shoes to bless people because we're being sensitive to the, to the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that picture of Jesus humbling Himself and and emptying Himself of the divine powers so that He can be reliant on the Spirit. I think that's something we're going to put a pin on because I think we're going to come back to that in a little <laughs> bit, um, especially after some of the discussion that we had in prepping. So I think we'll come back to that a little bit. So the next question is actually uh, from Martha and her small group. And so the question is, is water baptism really necessary? Because uh, in Mark 1, John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water, but he, referring to Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And so if in this situation, it seems like John is saying, that baptism with the Holy Spirit is more important than baptism with water. So really, is water baptism necessary? So we'll go to Kyle for this one. So shout out to Martha and uh, her small group led by um, Mona and Jane. So good job. Uh, good job digging into the word. On this one, I think um, like part of their question too was, was it, is it necessary beyond the symbolism? They, they understand their symbolism with baptism um, so I think we do need to, to go into that symbolism. So baptism, the word, it's only used in the New Testament, and it's uh, derived from a word that means to make fully wet. So it's, it, it, the word itself is talking about water. Um, in the Old Testament, water, there's a couple of, um, of I guess, examples or yeah, ways that water uh, symbolizes that purification. And it's in, like, Leviticus, a lot of the, when, like, when you're... Um, sick or you're, there's impurities like you're supposed to go cleanse with water and and so that that restores you to um be part of the group again but also in uh the flood with with noah that water symbolizes like the purification of all the kind of corruption that was going on and that brought new life um but then in the new testament there's also a new covenant and so then that that it has a little bit of a different meaning um so when I read the question from Martha, I thought, oh, this is a pretty simple question. And then I thought, I'm like, 
Oh, actually, this is a pretty hard question. <laughs> so especially not having them right here in front of us um, to ask, like, what did they mean by it? I thought we could go just some different directions. So there's there's um, different camps, like is is water baptism necessary or not? It, so some don't even think that you should baptize anymore. Um, but then those that do believe in baptism, is there's the sprinkle, there's the dunk, there's different things like that. Um, I did want to bring up some different words, some different passages. So, um, so that's the the passage they quoted was in Mark. But then if if we go further out into the kind of the story of the Bible in Acts, there's repeated uh, mentions of baptism. So the apostles, even after the resurrection, they're still baptizing with water, mm-hmm. and so there's still power with that. Um, so like in Acts 2, 38, Peter uh, says, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So I did think it's kind of interesting in that, in that passage, first they're baptized, and then it says, then you will receive the Holy Spirit. There is one later um, with, did I put this one on here? Oh yeah, it's in Acts 10. There are some Gentiles, they, they actually receive the Holy Spirit first, and then because they actually saw the outward sign that, oh, they received the Holy Spirit, and then they tell them, oh, why don't you be baptized? So then they, they actually baptize after. So I think, and there's two different instances where the Holy Spirit either is first or second. Um, there's some different teachings or different insight into, like, baptism actually preparing us for our resurrection bodies. So there's, like, a, um, a symbolism that that is actually helping prepare our bodies for that. Um I did think um, in in answering the question, I thought it's a yes and a no. So I, is it necessary in, uh, for salvation? Um, I don't think it's necessary for salvation, except if water baptism is a hang-up for you. So then it's like, well, then maybe you haven't even really fully submitted or mm. or kind of, yeah, just basically submitted yourself. So if if, if it's become an issue that, I don't want to do it. I don't. Then, then I think there's maybe something going on with the heart. Um, but the, really, the the actual um, the actual act of being baptized, I don't think that that is necessary uh, to be saved. So, I'll toss it out to you guys. And then this other question, because um, I read this, somebody asked, "Is is water baptism necessary?" And then they said, "Maybe the question is, why should I reject it? Is there anything in the Bible that tells me to reject it?" So those are some questions to throw out to you guys. What do you think? Well, I think this is why I said we can put a pin in it because the, pick, the in the last question, we were talking about Jesus' willingness to empty himself to be fully reliant on the Spirit. And so kind of like Kyle was talking about, if water baptism or getting baptized is actually a hang-up for you and there's something that is in you that doesn't want to do it, then are we fully submitting? Are we fully being like Christ and willing to empty ourselves of even that, that not wanting to do it. And and so it kind of actually brings to mind uh, something that happened this Sunday in our service. Uh, one, one of the um, youngsters didn't want to um, participate in the praying a blessing over the teachers. And I had gone up to him and asked him if he wanted to do it. He's like, I really, really don't want to do it. I really don't want to do it. And then uh, later I asked him again. I said, do you, you know, do you want to do this? And he said, no, I, I really don't want to do it. And then I asked him, I said, hey, you know, um, what if God wants to bless one of these teachers through you, 
but you're just choosing not to do it. Just think about that, right? And then he went up and and he actually did it, and he um, prayed for four people, and then he was done. And I I told him, you know, I was just really proud of you for because I know how much you didn't want to do it, but you did it anyway. And so I think kind of in a similar way, like if water baptism is something that's a hang up, then maybe that's something that we need to submit and, and give to give to the Lord. Yeah, those that point I think the, the I like that you brought up the yes and no, the hang up. Um, I think on one end I've been learning more and more how much like an action or like a declaration how it's yeah maybe not necessary like it's not okay you you didn't do this so you don't get the check mark so now you fall short but there is a significance in I feel like a lot of spiritual like declarations or doing things and I didn't always feel or see it that way but I think just in my growth in my own faith personally seeing how a lot of those things that, that require an action, there is that level of faith. I think you just brought that up recently too, Kyle. Like you putting your life and your body or your, not just your thoughts, but putting it into actually doing something. There is, no matter how big or small it is, there is a level of faith of like full belief and, you know, submitting and like, yeah, I don't feel like doing this. So, like, what's the difference between not feeling like doing it and not doing it versus not feeling like doing it and doing it, right? Mm-hmm. There's, like, this mm-hmm. level of, like, okay, I don't really feel like it, but I trust that if I do this, then da 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 right? Mm-hmm. And so it's going against the flesh, going mm-hmm. against that hang-up, knowing that, okay, well, I'm looking at it more bigger picture and putting faith in that over than my own personal hang-up or whatever dislike or what whatever I don't know specifically right but mm-hmm. whatever it, that might be and so um I really like that point that you brought up uh, about that I think for me um you know baptism part of being getting baptized in water it's the repentance part mm. Mm. and then and then there's the also the receiving of new life in the holy spirit and so like in acts 2 and peter's preaching after pentecost Right. And then he said, they say, what must I do to be saved? He goes, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Right. And then he says, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So right there, Peter says, what do I do to be saved? He says, repent and get baptized. Mm-hmm. Right. And then Jesus was baptized. And then the Ethiopian eunuch, right, Acts mm-hmm. chapter 8, mm-hmm. um, Philip is, you know, sharing the gospel with the eunuch and he he says ask about baptism he says why don't i get back why can't i get baptized here and he goes right. if you believe you could get baptized so you know christians throughout from the beginning early christians they baptized people mm-hmm. right and so and jesus you know i think jesus tells us to be baptized and you know um the the great commission right mm-hmm. go and make disciples of all nations baptize them in the name of the father son and the holy spirit i think he's talking about water baptism mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's like a command. So it's like, you know, is it necessary if someone isn't baptized, right, and they receive Christ, <clears throat> does that, um, you know, nullify them from salvation? I don't think so because the thief on the cross, right, mm-hmm. he, he's, Jesus says you, you'll be with me in Paris. He didn't get baptized, right? Mm-hmm. right. So it, it, 
in that sense, not necessarily like, like you guys have been saying, but I think it's a command Jesus tells us to, and that's good enough, right? right. <laughs> that's, that's good enough. Like, that's mm-hmm. a good enough reason, right? Like, you can have all these reasons of why not, I don't feel right, da, 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 but it's like, Jesus told you to, so why don't, like you are saying, why don't you then, right? Because right? he says to, right? And, so. I, and I think even in, Mar- in Martha's question, too, of, you know, they kind of were trying to separate out the symbolism from the act, but really the act is about all the symbolism. There's mm-hmm. so many symbolisms that make it powerful. So it is kind of a hard question to answer because you can't separate it. Um, another another instance I, I just re- remembered was, I think it's still in Acts, but then they there's the believers in Ephesus, and they hadn't received the Holy Spirit. They didn't know about it. And then he said, well, what baptism have you had? We had John's baptism of repentance. And so then it ties back into that. It's the repentance. So then he said, well, that was the baptism of repentance. Then we, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So then mm-hmm. they, they get a second baptism because you need you need both aspects. I thought that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, for me personally, I, I wanted to share my story too. Is So I grew up in a church where we did infant baptism. So I was baptized as an infant. Um as as a i don't know probably a teenager we went through like a catechism so you learn all about the stuff and then you do a, what we call the profession of faith so that mm-hmm. was like my declaration that yeah i believe in god and that and that um those the the, the truths of the bible but then when i went to cerritos i remember i don't remember if it was you barry or or pastor gary but i remember there was that call to like oh if you haven't been baptized as an adult we encourage you to do it and i thought Something in me, I was like, I think I'm supposed to do this. And I, it wasn't about, like, I, I didn't feel like I was unsaved or it wasn't because of that, but it just felt like I need to, because I, I felt part of it was my my profession of faith that I did. It wasn't as genuine as it probably needed to be because it was kind of forced. It was just something you did at that age, and it was, it was okay, but it, it just, I felt like I needed to publicly declare more of what I really um, mm. owned as my faith. And so when I did that, I felt kind of awkward because I'm like, I've been baptized before. I've declared that I, I'm a follower of Jesus and my life is, you know, reflected of that. But I felt like, no, I'm supposed to do this. So I, I did want to mention to you to, or I throw it back to you, Barry, to mention um, just our, our church's stance. I think that's kind of the same, the same uh, stance that we take with people. Right? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I think, um, you know, if, you know, there's always a question, too, of sprinkling or dunking, yeah. you know, and right. we're dunkers. <laughs> <laughs> Get dunked. <laughs> yeah. um, and the reason why is because I think we believe it it more accurately reflects what's taking place in a person's life, right? Going mm-hmm. under it represents you dying to your old self, coming up to new life. But I, I think, um, yeah, I think if, if people feel like, yeah, you know, I was dunked or even baptized as an infant and they feel like, yeah, I feel like that's, you know, before the Lord, I feel like I was baptized. Mm-hmm. Then I think we think that's fine. You know, that's fine. But if people feel like, you know, um, that at a, at, like you, Kyle, where you were baptized as an infant, but mm-hmm. then you felt like, oh, no, I, I need to do this. I want to do this as an adult to confirm my faith and to, um, because uh, I think we believe in believer's baptism, mm-hmm. right? At the point which you're old enough to make that decision, mm. then you you are baptized. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's an act like a a testimony. But but yeah. I think too sometimes people have been baptized, but they've had a dramatic growth in their life, mm. and they feel like, oh, but I can't, I want to get baptized again. And you know, I don't think we really uh, encourage that 
because it's not something you need to do over and over and over <laughs> again, right? Like a recommitment thing. Like once you get baptized, that's that's good enough. That that was your baptism. Mm. But you can have subsequent growth. You could have actually sub- subsequent experiences of the spirit mm. of being baptized in the spirit and experiencing the feeling of the spirit and things like that. And so, yeah. And on that note, uh, we will probably be having another baptism this summertime. So if you haven't been baptized yet and that's something that's on your heart that you want to do, uh, we would generally, we have one in the summertime at the beach. So it's a really fun event where, uh, just as a family, we get together and we celebrate, um, people getting baptized. So we'll, Probably be looking out for that towards the end of the summer this year. Okay, so actually we're running <laughs> running long already. We, we were hoping that this episode was going to be about 35 minutes, and we're already at 35 minutes, and we still have like three more questions. But I think I think that people are going to like this. So I think it's going to go. I think it's going to go well for him. So we'll just keep we'll keep plugging away. Yeah, we'll keep going because especially there's the last question that uh, is that we saved for last. I, I really wanted to address this one because I thought it was a really good question, but we're not there yet. So the next question actually comes from Pastor Barry's small group. And so he will lead this one. And I think it's referring to blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So, yeah. Yes. So um, it's really cool. So Dale and I lead a, a young families small group. So um, the guys, we have a, a chat group. We, you know, post uh, questions and thoughts and sharing and, um, <laughs> it's funny because it's really cool because the guys have really gotten into it, right? I remember when we were actually meeting yeah. a few days ago, my phone <laughs> was phone blowing up. I was like, who is texting yeah. you? Hopefully it's something good. <laughs> and then I looked at my phone, 80 messages, and I just had cleared it, right, yeah. before. Yeah. <laughs> before, And it was guys just posting. They post comments, funny things, but they post questions. And I, I don't usually jump in too much because I just want them to just wrestle, mm-hmm. ask questions, you know, process, and they're they're digging into the word and it's feeling curiosity too. So, um, so it's been really cool. But one of the things that came up was um, right the the whole issue of um, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. because that I think that was in the Mark three yeah. right? right that right. was the Mark three passage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so in Mark Mark 3, let me see if I could pull it up real quick. You guys have some? Yeah, so so this was this wasn't one that formally got submitted on our uh email, but we were we were meeting and then yeah, his phone blew up and we got done and he's like, "What was that about?" And he said this topic and we we're like, "Okay, we should bring that to our to our podcast." Yeah, so that um this is Mark 3. This was, has been in our reading earlier this week. It was Mark 3:28. Truly I say to you, all sins this is Jesus talking. All sins will be forgiven the children of man and whatever blasphemies they utter, but whoever blasphemies against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they were saying he has an unclean spirit. And so that that's a challenging, I know there's different um, perspectives on this issue of blasphemy, but blasphemy, blasphemy basically is uh, ir- irreverent rejection or... Um, you know, against the Lord. Mm. Um, and so what they were doing here was the Pharisees were saying the miracle that Jesus had had done in, in the healing, it was attributed to Beelzebub or the devil, right? And so, um, or a demon. And so, um, yeah, so because they were calling something good authored by the Holy Spirit through Jesus of the devil, 
right? Mm -hmm. That was willful irreverence towards the Lord. Then Jesus calls them out and says, you know, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is something that, that, that is not is unpardonable sin. Mm. And so, you know, I know in the chat, there was all this discussion about, okay, what does that mean, right? If, if someone, and it got into the whole question of can people lose their salvation if they blaspheme, if they accept? And, um, you know, so for me, my understanding of, of this is, number one is that when Jesus spoke this, it was a very unique situation mm. because he was speaking to the Pharisees and the Pharisees, you know, were the scholars of the day. They knew the Bible, and they had seen Jesus in the flesh, mm. and they had witnessed Jesus performing these miracles. Mm -hmm. And so they had all of this right before their eyes, and yet they called it of the devil mm -hmm. because I think that reveals the degree of the hardness of their hearts, mm. right? I mean, they were seeing him healing, doing good, people being restored, and they were so locked into their own, um, you know, thinking, their own perspective, their own theology, that they were calling him the devil. Basically, they were saying, that is of the devil. And so I think, by and large, that revealed the, the depth, the extent of their hardness of hearts. And um, Jesus understood, I think, their hearts and where they were. And so that's why I think he called them out. Mm -hmm. He says, you know, if you, if you, you know, say something that is authored by the Holy Spirit, something from the Lord, something that's been demonstrated to you multiple times, mm -hmm. and you call that of the devil, right, then I think he through his insight and understanding of their hearts knew that they were they were beyond mm. they were beyond salvation at that mm. point because mm. of the hardness of their hearts and which manifested itself by them plotting to mm -hmm. and uh, carrying out his death mm -hmm. and, and execution mm -hmm. so yeah yeah so but i think for for today right i mean um Right. If if someone like receives the Lord and turns away and so that have they committed to blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Personally, I don't think so. Um, you know, there's a lot you could go into this about once saved, always saved. And maybe you guys could mm -hmm. chime in about that, too. Um, you know, and there's there's some verses and um, scriptures that kind of support both sides. Right. Mm. I mean, for me, I think I lean towards the once saved, always saved. And it's because uh, Jesus talking to Nicodemus about unless you are born again, mm -hmm. right, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So when we receive Christ, we are born as children of God. And then there's Romans that talks about we are adopted, right, and all those things. So to me, it's like, okay, if he uses that analogy, how can you be born and a child of God and then yet, like, not be born and have not that, be a child yeah, have that, that taken away but have that, that taken away yeah. no matter what you could be a very rebellious child of god <laughs> right very wayward child of god mm. um but on the other hand you know there are verses like in hebrews maybe i could read that first from hebrews it says um uh hebrews 4 for it is let's see yeah for for it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, um, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit 
and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come, and these have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they have cru- they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him to up to contempt. Mm. And so that verse seems to be saying, you know, if you've tasted the goodness of God, you've accepted the Lord, you've seen his his goodness in your life, and then you turn away, then you it's it's it seems like it's saying then it's impossible to turn them back to repentance because then you would be crucifying Christ again mm-hmm. a second time. I kind of look at that, I, I kind of wonder what they're talking about when they say, right, like tasted and have seen the goodness of God and have seen the fruit of the Holy Spirit and things like that. If they have experienced those things, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. but maybe they have not truly submitted their life to the Lord, right? And so, but um, I don't know, scholars <laughs> throughout the ages have debated <laughs> some of these issues, right? And uh, yeah, so. <laughs> no, it, just talking about that, the passage on the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, I liked how you said it's, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty uh, significant step away from God or, or against mm-hmm. God, right? Mm-hmm. And I, because I, I, I just, I like the way you said that because when I was a kid, I hearing this, it was kind of like, I got scared. Like, what if I did an accident? What if yeah. I, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, no, for no sure. I remember yeah. like yeah. being young and being like, well, that's the one that can't be forgiven. I, Jesus forgives everything. But what if I do that one? I don't know. Like, cause I didn't understand what it, like what it was. Right. But then, yeah, I, I liked how you described like, it's, it's <laughs> the way the, the Pharisees, they were, the, they had so much knowledge. They had all the background, yet they not only rejected him, but even like turned that he was actually uh, the devil. Like that is like, that's that's pretty severe. I mean, it's not something that we do in our normal day. <laughs> I, you know, I I also I also think one to me how I kind of translate that in um, in t- to today after after I think uh, Christ was uh, crucified and risen, it's really the rejecting of Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's that's. If you reject Jesus, he's the only way to salvation, right? Mm-hmm. He's the one that died for our sins, right? And so, um, and I don't think it's because God is being like mm. mean. It, what it is is he's actually goes to that extent to honor our choice, mm. as mm. much as that hurts him, mm. as much as that pains him, as much. And you know, the Bible says he wants all to come to the knowledge of him and all to be saved. So I think, but God will never force someone to receive him because, right, um, and that gets into a whole other can of worms of topics, (laughs) right, (laughs) of of free will and all. But I think that whole thing is because God wants us to be able to freely choose and love him, and you can't have love where, where someone's coerced, right? So, yeah. But I do think that that is kind of like a post-resurrection <coughs> analogy mm. to blasphemy is mm. people that reject Jesus. Yeah, I I don't have uh, okay. First of all, I don't have an answer to that question. <laughs> I think it's something that 
it's you're you're pastor for the day. Come, yeah, on, come on, man, bring it. Step well, into it. It's, it's peaking. It's peaking my interest in looking into it more. But I think from what you shared, that really sticks out to me in it being a unique situation. It to me, it really highlights like God, Jesus knows like your heart, right? Like from the outside in any situation, we can all have an inference or an assumption or a judgment. But the thing that stands out to me, as much as God is forgiving and he is loving and caring and full of mercy and grace, there is this wrath. There's just righteous anger. There's all these things where it's like, well, I don't want to test that either, right? And so just this idea that, okay, only God is going to really know your your heart or somebody's heart and the choices that they've made and, and what's really in there despite what the world might see, what we might see. And I hope and pray for, I think, the people that are like those Pharisees or people that are hardened to that degree that you may... I kind of see it like this. You may feel like, I mean, whatever here on earth, but you're going to have to stand before the Lord at some point. And, you know, that's where that fear of the Lord to me is, is highlighted of like, okay, that's not one thing to play with. You see Jesus is loving and he, he's with the lamb and all that stuff. Great. But he's also, I mean, that's G-O-D. You don't, <laughs> you know, you don't want to mess. And so there's that other aspect of, to me that, that, that I think is is brought to mind is highlighted to me when I hear that situation and understanding kind of like that picture of they had all the opportunity in the world and yet what did they choose to say and do and how did they act? So it's like for Jesus to respond to them, he he knows, right? Like for mm-hmm. the average person, maybe you would have been like, well, I mean, I don't know how any of us would react or a regular person react, but Jesus knows. And so if he knows, then it just not not to have the fear to the extent that you had, Kyle, maybe when you were a kid when you yeah. first didn't know, but there is a healthy fear of like, okay, yeah. no, God knows. And so even if, I, I think it works in the opposite way too. If you're doing things that you're being obedient to God and all these other people are saying, no, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. It's like, well, okay, i rather face the rejection of the world or other people than the rejection of the Lord, right? And so I think that was the thing that was really highlighted to me in that sharing in that picture and has piqued my interest to... uh dive into it a little bit more. Pastor Britt. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's one of the parts that I'm really enjoying about this episode so much is just one question leads to another question Mm -hmm. leads to another question. And, you know, that's one thing that is very, what up from what I've heard reminiscent of Jewish culture is that they really highly value questions and asking each other questions and how that, you know, they don't answer with, straight answers, a lot of times they answer with questions and more questions. And so it's kind of cool. I'm really having a lot of fun with this episode, just seeing how deep into the rabbit hole we can get. So hopefully you guys are all enjoying it as much as, much as I am. Um, okay, so our next question actually comes from Eli. So Eli and Ezra both submitted a question. We want to give a shout out to Okay, the so kids. I'll give a little background. So <laughs> about two weeks ago, I'm like, okay, we only had like one question submitted, I think. <laughs> I'm like, all right, we need some more. But I don't want it to come from me or Damon or Brett. So I'm like, 
All right, guys. <laughs> just in the next couple of weeks, when you're reading, just look at whatever whatever passage. Just is there something that stands out? There's something that like I don't get that or something whatever. And so that's all I did. And then I asked them one week. No, they hadn't done anything. So I asked them. Oh yeah, I had something, but I can't remember what it was. So they just went back and they're like, "Oh yeah, it was this." And then so they came up with these on their own, and I was like, "Those are good questions." So, so there was some prodding. Yet, so, yet, so you're in the clear, Kyle. Yeah, <laughs> willingly they they came up with them. So, <laughs> so shout out, good job, Anima yeah. boys. We are very proud of you for stepping into this and submitting questions. Okay, so Eli's question is this: It says, "When Simon Peter denied Jesus for a third time, it says that he invoked a curse on himself by saying." A curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. So what do curses mean? Because it seemed like Peter didn't have one on him afterwards. Okay. So generally a curse is uh, imposing ill will on someone else through your words. And one thing that we want to do a lot of times when we hear terms or things in the Bible that maybe are unusual or we don't understand, one of the things that I learned in seminary is the principle of first mention. So a lot of times... In the Bible, if it mentions a specific word, what you want to do is you want to go to the first time that it was used. So, for example, uh, a word like Sabbath. If you hear Sabbath, you want to go back to when was Sabbath first initiated. So, for this one with curses, the first time that it says the word curse is actually in Genesis 3, and this is in response to Adam and Eve and sin. And so, this is the curse that was put upon Adam, and it says, Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread till you return to the ground, For because from it you are taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And so from that verse, it actually seems like what was going to happen beforehand was we weren't going to have to work to eat. Like, they were in the garden, and they were going to just be able to eat off of the fruit of the garden. But after that, they were going to have to now work the field and earn their food. And and a lot of times that wouldn't return, you know, the amount of work that you put in wouldn't return the bounty that you would expect. It was more work than what you would receive. And so I was told by Kyle not to put too, <laughs> go too heavy on this, but uh, in terms of uh, with this specific time with Peter um, and and this curse that he puts on himself, if we go back to the principle of first mention, it could refer to something of that sort where uh, referring to the work of his hands not producing anything. And so now I'm not trying to say that this is directly entangled, but there is a passage in John towards the end after Jesus is, uh, crucified and is resurrected where it says that um, Peter and some of the other disciples went out on the boat and they uh, fished all night and they didn't get anything. And the next morning Jesus appeared to them. This is again after the resurrection. And then he told them to cast their nets out on the side and, and pull them up. And then they, they were filled with fish. Right. And so again, we don't want to infer cause we don't know. And we don't know the Bible also, is, you know, three years of Jesus's life and ministry is encapsulated in, you know, 20 chapters or 28 chapters of Matthew. So there's a lot of stuff that's not in there. So it might also seem like Peter didn't have a curse on him, but we don't know. We don't know. But um, with the principle of first mention, a lot of times we can go back and see, is it, could this be referring to something else? And so in that, it might be referring to 
Peter having to work and then not returning any any food. We also know at the end of Peter's life, it it didn't go. It was really difficult, right? He was jailed. He was also crucified upside down, right? So his life wasn't just all peaches and cream after that. Um, but one of the things too to think about in terms of this situation is that when it says that he invoked a curse upon himself, this was actually uh, you know pre crucifixion, pre resurrection. So timing wise, it's a little bit different than it is today because we are post resurrection, post new life in Christ. Uh, post Holy Spirit coming, mm-hmm. so there's a lot of differences in that in that sense too. So, one we don't know exactly what happened. There's a lot of stuff in that's not in the Bible, so inferring is really hard. Um, but there's also a lot of differences in in terms of situationally, kind of like we were talking about between where they were then and where they are now. But one of the cool things about Peter's story specifically is that after Um, Peter denied Jesus three times. When Jesus returns, Jesus asks him three times, right? He he asks him, you know, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, I love you. And so a lot of scholars have looked at that as like, that's the forgiveness for Peter of each of those times. And so that's why Jesus asks him three times. It's the redemption for those three times that he was denied earlier. I I do think it's important though to to kind of go forward with uh, like word curses and things like that, even post-resurrection, um, things we say and they have, they carry weight in the spiritual realm. They can be openings to demonic oppression and um, just things like that. And that may be, Barry, you could, you could expand on that a little bit. Yeah, I think um, Pastor Timothy Davis, right, he goes over this in the cleansing seminar about the power of words. And when we, you know, we, our words have power to them. Our words are very weighty and have significance. God created the world through the power of his word. Mm. And so when we speak things, right, then it gives, it it has weight to it. And like Kyle said, that could be taken by the enemy to turn it around and used against us. Mm. Especially when we think like, I'll never, whatever, mm. I'll never mm-hmm. do this, or I'll never do that, or we have a bad experience and we declare these things, or... I'm stupid, right? Mm-hmm. When you say and, and or when we say things about ourselves, mm-hmm. um, the enemy could use that to really oppress us, mm-hmm. put us in bind bondage. Um, the good thing is that you know the Bible says that cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree, mm-hmm. and so that re- that's um, applied to Jesus as well when he hung on the cross. And so Jesus took all the curses upon himself. Mm. So although we may speak inadvertently or, you know, without realizing what we're doing, speak these curses upon ourselves or other people, but we may speak these curses upon ourselves and the enemy could use that against us, we have the ability to go to the Lord and repent of those things and that curse is broken mm-hmm. through the power of the cross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just going to make a joke and comment that people say that uh, no, pastors pastors aren't supposed to joke. So no no jokes today. Sorry. Hey hey, uh, I'm a different pastor. So this is, this is how I roll. Well, we only gave him 30 minutes, and we're at an hour oh, in. So the hat might have come off. off. I was just going to say, people don't think that the Bible is relevant today. What, what was it talking about? You working a lot and not having enough to pay for whatever you got. I mean, <laughs> society today, I, that's, that's all everybody does is just work and 
pay the bills and it's not enough to pay everything. And I don't know if you ask me, I think the Bible's uh, pretty relevant. <laughs> All right, Pastor Brett. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, continuing on. So this is going to be our last question. And this is the one I was really looking forward to getting to. And this is from Craig Yamachika. And really, I think it's cool because in answering some of these previous questions, mm-hmm. I think we actually addressed a little bit mm-hmm. about of the kind of the heart and the spirit behind this question. So uh, I think we will dive in a little bit more, but it's cool because I think just the, the way that the conversation has gone, some of the things in the question have been addressed. But Craig's question actually comes from Matthew chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. And that verse talks about though seeing they did not see, though hearing they do not hear or understand. So are some people born into the world without the ability to connect, believe, understand, and accept God? So why don't we throw this one out to Pastor Barry first? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, this passage in Matthew, I think it's a quote from a, a passage in Isaiah. And in Isaiah, it says, you will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Mm -hmm. And I think, to me, what comes to mind is that through our own human understanding, through our own human wisdom, intellect, knowledge, through Mm -hmm. even our own human um, trying to understand the scripture, as in the Old Testament at that time, um, that we will never, never come to a revelation of God and Jesus and who he is and his heart for us, his love for us, all those things, um, because that has to be revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. Mm. It's the Holy Spirit. And that comes through humility, right? It comes through humility. It comes through like being like a child, mm. right? Unless we're like children, we, we cannot enter the, the kingdom of God. And so I think a lot of Jesus's teachings, a lot of when, when Jesus was, was talking and teaching and trying to explain to them the kingdom, um, he's kind of delineating be- between trying to come to, him, come to us from our own knowledge, from our own understanding, from our own region, from our own pride, and in a sense too, right, um, versus coming in humility, coming as a child and recognizing our need and the dependence upon him, mm-hmm. right? Even the Old Testament system, the Old Covenant was based on our own righteousness, trying to um, achieve salvation through our own righteousness by living according to the law. And and I think Jesus was showing them that you can never live up to the law, mm-hmm. right? You, can, you need a savior, then that's why I'm here. And so, um, yeah, so I think, yeah, it, it, it sounds harsh, right? Mm-hmm. It sounds like, what is he talking about, right? Then um, I think Craig's, uh, the second part, right, is that then are some people are born without the ability to connect, believe, understand, and accept. And I guess I would say we are all born without the ability to connect, believe, understand, or accept God. Mm-hmm. None of us has that ability, mm-hmm. but it only comes through humility and um, seeking the Lord with all our hearts, opening our hearts to him, and being open to the Holy Spirit, who is the teacher and the revealer of all things. Mm-hmm. And so that's, I guess, how I would respond to that. Yeah. A, a question that it 
when I was reading it, it kind of um, sparked. I don't know if the heart of the question question is that specifically, which it, I it very much so could be. But I know a question that I've had that similar to that is, what about a person that is born that never hears, like never has the opportunity to hear about God, or or like what happens to that that person, right? If the person is born but they've never encounter no one has ever told them they don't come in contact with the bible ever like then i mean that seems like a more extreme case but it kind of this question kind of highlights to okay what about that individual or person um and i think the heart behind that does come from um me knowing people or family that haven't accepted christ or don't know god Right, and obviously the the question I asked takes it to the extreme, but it does make me think about well, what about the person that, like in in a sense, when when we are told to go make disciples of all nations, we failed our job in not doing that. So the person that's at the farthest corner that's never been reached, mm-hmm. you know, and um, I've had some long discussions with my dad about it. And I don't know if we ever came to a, a final answer, but I, I think one thing um, we had to rest in, similar to how per- Pastor Barry answered with humility and stuff, is it, it's only through God. And so by God's grace and him knowing each of us and even knowing that person that could potentially, in this hypothetical, could be at the farthest ends of the earth that never reaches, like God sees them and knows them, even if maybe like I didn't go there and and evangelize to them and so maybe i mean i'm not god so i i can't dictate what happens to that person but yeah it it makes me makes me think of of that potential scenario i know it's a little far-fetched but yeah i mean i think that's a whole nother topic too or goes much deeper but it's what i've heard before is the general revelation and special revelation also like God revealing himself through nature, through different mm-hmm. things like that, that it's available to everybody um, versus like more specific revelation. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I don't know an answer to that either, but I, and that's just one thing to kind of throw into the equation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, not trying to shut your question. No, down, no, no. It's a, it's, I, a, it's a hard, it's a hard question. No, yeah. I, so, I just threw that out yeah. there in, in that, sparks my thinking yeah yeah no and, and i think that's what that. we want from these yeah. like reading and we want to be asking ourselves questions like well what is what about this and we want to go deeper for me uh, on this passage too i just uh context uh, context is important when we read the bible and so that the jesus's quote there is in response to the, to the disciples asking him why do you use parables when you talk to people and i think for me it it, it relays back to what you said barry about humility but I think it's also tied in for me with hunger. And I think if he uses the parables because they don't make sense, they're confusing. You have to go deeper. You <laughs> have to go, you have to press in and that so that you have to be humble to even like ask for help or ask like, what does that mean? Like a child, ask somebody, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it. But you also have to have like pursuit. You have to have hunger to like want, I, I want to know more about that. And, and then a lot of the the parables and a lot of the things are counterculture. Like the kingdom principles don't make sense to us because what the way we're raised and the way we live, it's it doesn't make sense. So we have to wrestle with that. Like, well, the, the world says this, but God says this. And, you know, so I think there's, there's a lot of different aspects, but I think it's um, the people that don't, 
want to go to that place, you know, then they aren't they aren't going to perceive, they aren't going to uh, see or hear the way God intended it to be. Yeah, I think um, you know, throughout the Bible, it says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, right? And so that really just resonated with me as you guys are as we're talking about this that um, posture really matters. Posture really matters, and God is going to give grace to those that are humble, and then He's going to oppose the proud. Why? Because He wants them to turn. He wants them to turn and change their posture from a proud posture to a, a humble posture and recognizing that their righteousness isn't going to measure up. They need something more. They need something more. They might be looking for the right things, but they're looking in the wrong places and recognizing that God through Jesus is the only way that we can receive that. I get it now. <laughs> I know why Pastor Barry if you ever have met up with him or talked with him, when you ask him about a situation or a question, he may just give you a question back. <laughs> it's because he's B- BLC and he's just being like Christ. <laughs> he wants to make sure we're humble and hungry. <laughs> or I just don't know. <laughs> Bakal, I, I do like how you framed that in terms of the, the hunger and the wanting more because you know, that's something that we've been talking about in terms of family and marriage and all these things that we've been talking about in this series is the unity that God wants us to have. And by um, recognizing our hunger and pursuing it, we're actually coming closer to having more unity with with God, Mm. right? And so as we have more unity and as we're coming closer to him, you know, it says he draws near to us, right? And so as we're coming closer to him, that actually empowers us to be LC, mm. right? It's it's through that relationship. And so sometimes Jesus will give us hard things because he wants us to wrestle with it. He wants us to think about it. He wants us to ask him to reveal it through the spirit mm-hmm. so that we come closer to him and we can develop more of that relationship through some of those questions. So, yeah, I know in our society, sometimes asking questions can seem, you know, is this a stupid question? Is this... Right. And, and there's shame involved or other things. So people don't want to ask questions. But if we look at it culturally, mm. kind of like we talked about before in Jewish culture, it's it's very valued to ask questions. Right. Because we're looking at one person might start on one side. The other person might start on the other. And through the questions, they're actually coming closer together. And so when we have questions, especially about scripture or things like that, as we ask questions, as we talk about it, we're actually coming closer together and closer to the Lord. And so I really, I think that's what he's looking for. And that's why he talked about it through parables so that people would have to ask more questions. Uh, yeah, I, I, and I think for me, like, and I'm, we're, we're, we can't get into it and we're not going to get into it, but, you know, there, there, this does raise the whole issues of, like, predestination. I think mm-hmm. that's what's kind of getting at that, you know, there are... Um, uh, denomination segment of the Christian community that believe in, you know, more like predestination that God mm. chooses those to be saved. And then there's others that he does not. And, you know, Romans chapter nine, right. It talks about Jacob. I loved and Esau. I hated. And um, it talks about, and, and there's different scriptures that talk about God choosing and, you know, predestination and things like that. Um, but to me, like that, those, those are, interesting questions but um for me sometimes i've seen people 
that become a barrier where it becomes a question, an intellectual question, like what mm-hmm. what about the tribal person way out in mm-hmm. South Africa that never heard da 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 da. Uh, but really, it comes down to who do you say Jesus is, mm. right? It's personal. And, um, yeah, who, who is he to you? Who does Jesus say to, to that? Who do you say that Jesus is? And um, I remember, I'll, I'll just close with this. I remember when I was, uh, many years ago, I was uh, counseling at a, a, a youth camp, and a high school girl came to came up to me and she said, I, ha- I just have a question. And she was wrestling with um, whether to come into her life to Christ or coming to the Lord. And she was wrestling with things. And she said, um, you know, I, I ha- had a brother and he committed suicide. Mm-hmm. And so what's going to happen to him? And because there's a connection where we think, well, if I believe in this, then that's going to condemn my, that could condemn my brother because he did it in mm-hmm. Christ. Mm-hmm. Right, and um, yeah, this is a difficult question, right? And mm-hmm. I was just like a young college student <laughs> at the time, but I felt like the Lord, the Holy Spirit, gave me insight, and I told her, um, you know, um, you know, expressing my heart for her, just the pain of seeing her brother um, commit suicide, and I said, you know, I don't know what where, what's happened to your brother. I don't know what where he is or what's, but I believe in the goodness of God. Mm-hmm. And I believe that in the end, we are going to be in awe of every single decision God makes about every single person. Mm. We are, we're going to be in awe at God's wisdom and mm. God's decision and God's justice and God's love. We are going to be in awe. None of us is going to question at all any of the decisions he's made. And so I think that, to me, then that releases the person to say, okay, but what about you, right? Mm. Mm. Who do you say that Jesus is, right? And that's the question before you. So, um, yeah. yeah. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> what a way to close it out. So um, we have gone quite a bit over time. Uh, so I think that's a good place to end it. Um, just wanted to say thank you to all everyone out there that submitted a question hope you guys all of you listeners out there enjoyed this conversation as much as i did want to say thank you to pastor barry for coming on and spending half of his afternoon with us this today <laughs> uh, yeah so until next time may you experience god's heart for you to flourish in every season Thanks for listening to the Engage to Flourish podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and encourage you to subscribe on Apple, Google, or Spotify so that you don't miss any new content. You can also check out our sister podcast, Catalyst Stories, available on multiple platforms as well. We would also love for you to check out our church. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at Stanford Middle School in Long Beach.